welcome to Darts in the Dark podcast. We talk about branding, marketing, communication, and sustainability. And through our conversations with leading voices throughout business and culture, we help shed light on how to move your audience to take meaningful action for your business and the planet. Welcome to Darts in the Dark. My name is Casey Ho, and working at the intersection of branding, design, and sustainability, my day-to-day work allows me to meet, connect, and get to know some of the most talented, creative, and inspiring folks out there on the front lines of climate action and communication. Today on the podcast is Mark O'Brien, who, in my opinion, exemplifies all of those things. Mark is co-founder of ClimateDesigners.org, which is a global community of designers and design-jacent creatives across every industry who are committed to using their skills for climate action. He is a designer, a strategist, as well as an instructor teaching climate design at California College of the Arts in San Francisco. He is continually hell-bent on using design and design thinking to take on climate change and inspire action. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mark O'Brien. How much time do we have? (laughs) I'll give you the cliff notes version of it. So my work has always been under the umbrella of social impact. My whole career, I've just had the desire to use my talents to create positive change in the world. And so being independent and working on a variety of projects for the first half of my career, it wasn't really until 2015 that I started to think about like leveling up my work and wanting to tackle bigger, gnarlier challenges. That was the year that I described me having my climate epiphany. I was reading a lot of things happening in the news around our environment and climate change and things like that. And then at the same time, just really immersing myself and camping and backpacking and trail running and things like that. So it was top of mind for me at the same time, thinking a little bit more about how I can level up my career. And so 2016, I co-founded a creative studio and consulting studio called The Determined. We worked exclusively with organizations in the climate space on all things creative, you know, think branding, messaging, marketing. We had a collective model, so we didn't have any full-time employees. We just hired our friends, basically, who we thought would be a good fit for the job. Around that time, a lot of my friends were calling me the climate designer guy. And I brought that to Sarah and we were kind of jammed on that a little bit. We were like, huh, there's something interesting around that, right? We had our collective of our independent friends who would be considered climate designers. We would be considered climate designers. And we thought maybe there's something around this that we can explore. Maybe this would be a good opportunity to expand our collective, but at the same time, maybe encourage more designers to step up and take climate action. With that, we put together a landing page. We probably spent about four hours of work on creating the copy and the look and feel. And the main call to action was really just sign up to be notified when we launch. Honestly, we didn't really know what launching meant. It was just an experiment. And we gave ourselves about a month to push it out there. And after that month, we got a good amount of subscribers realizing, I think we struck a nerve. I think we're onto something. The rest is history. So it was really just an experiment to see if there are other people like us, other designers out there. And sure enough, there are lots of people like us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think more and more, right? To borrow Scott Galloway's term, you know, post-corona, I think a lot of people had sort of epiphany reassessing their lives and their Mm -hmm. personal lives and their professional lives. And I've had that similar epiphany moment where it was like, how do I use my talents and expertise and background for good? And the second that sort of light bulb went on, it was like, you start to see it everywhere. And then so especially in the last two years, you know, it's really been a great momentum. So was it sort of you turn the lights on and everyone came or was there sort of a gradual exponential growth for the platform? How's that gone for you? 
We started Climate Designers in October 2019, and we had a pretty good welcoming, I guess. We had our first chapter. Now we have chapters all over the globe, but our first chapter was in San Francisco because that's where I am. And we would have monthly meetups and we would average about 40, 50 people a meetup. And so that was pretty good. Yeah. Another indicator that we were onto something. Yeah. But it wasn't really until the pandemic hit in March 2020 when people started to wake up and realize, what am I doing with my life? You know, life is fragile, having these big existential crisis moments in their professional and perhaps personal lives. And with that, we use this as an opportunity to expand virtually. So we put together an online platform. We invited more chapters to start up doing virtual events. And so going remote really helped us kind of catapult it into this next level level to reach even more designers. And I think because of that, we found a lot more designers coming into the community because they might have gotten laid off or they had some sort of awakening that they wanted to do something around these bigger, gnarlier issues. And so, yeah, I think it was really the pandemic. And I hate to say this, but it was the thing that got us into where we are today. And now, like I said, we have global chapters all over the world. We have a couple thousand members in our online community. Around the same time, too, we saw a handful of other climate groups centered around design, creativity activity, advertising started to also spur up around that time as well. So there's this like groundswell over the last two plus years around the creative industry and how we're showing up in the climate conversation. So it's been really amazing to be one of a handful of organizations bringing creatives together to address these bigger issues centered around climate change. It's really exciting. We touched on this a little bit during the Sacramento Design Week panel discussion, which was really great. I think we covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time there. But just to sort of repeat a little bit of that, I think what I was so excited about that conversation was just really harnessing the power of creativity and empowering copywriters, creative directors, art directors, designers, product designers, environmental designers, all of these disparate professions and groups of quote unquote creatives that are now voting with their talent. I think that's one of my new favorite terms, voting with their talent. And that's what gets me so excited and why I'm so excited to continue chatting with you is you've really put forth and created a platform for everyone to come together and collectively have those discussions and talk about the trials and tribulations of that. Previously, what I thought was really interesting was if you currently work at a firm and perhaps there's a project that lands on your desk that doesn't really align with your values, what do you do? Right. And so having a support group to talk through that, I think, is really valuable and just such a great support system because those are some hard existential things that we face as creatives is really what projects we're working on. Having the choice of saying yes or no on a project, depending on, you know, if it's an oil and gas or, you know, whatever that industry is that either aligns or doesn't align with your values. Having those conversations, knowing how to ask the questions is super exciting. So that's what I love about what you've been doing is just having this community of people having these conversations. And I think we talk about top down solutions where, you know, businesses need to show up and shift their behaviors. And then from the creatives and talent side, bottom up, I think you've really done a great job of pulling together communities to affect that change and shift those narratives from that side. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought this up too. So this was a realization we had about six, nine months ago, really thinking about our community as a support system. As much as we celebrate the successes and these amazing projects that have launched, what about the projects that don't get off the ground? What about the struggles that our members are having with their client or their manager when it comes to suggesting better approaches for whatever the project calls for, right? And so we are finding that our members are 
are also just looking for people to talk to and to share their struggles and hurdles and hoping to get ideas and advice from other people. And if not, maybe there's a group of people that meet up and just they don't talk about successes because they haven't had any successes, but at least they're sharing what they're struggling with, just knowing that they're there for one another. Yeah. If that one person in that group has that one win, they can then go back and say, hey, look what I did and have those other members support them and celebrate that. And so I think it really is a support system. The way that I talk about it is that human beings have never experienced this before at all. There is no guidebook. There's no best practices. And so we're learning this all as we go. And we need to experiment a lot. And we're going to have a lot of successes and also a lot of failures, probably more failures than the successes, right? But if we are not open about all of this to one another, then we're not going to be able to share the knowledge and the experience that we gained by doing any of this because we don't have any of that written down somewhere. We're experimenting with so many different approaches and solutions, and some of them are going to catch on and be amazing. Others are not. But the more that we can, as I mentioned, collaborate and be transparent about all the things with each other, the sooner we can learn and collectively build that wisdom and knowledge so that everyone can benefit from that. Right. What's your shining moment or really good win or success over the last three or four years in developing the community? I always get excited when I hear that people are promoting themselves as a climate designer. The first one was actually uh, a woman who actually is the co-leader of our New York City chapter, Carly. Early on, she was applying for a climate-specific job coming from a non-climate industry. And in her cover letter, she shared with us that she put down, I am a climate designer in her cover letter. And I thought that was really cool, right? It was one of the first times I saw someone in our community present themselves that way. Right. And since then, I've heard and seen a few other people. I stumble upon portfolio websites here and there. And there's been a few members, obviously, that I go to their websites to check out their work. And they are also calling themselves climate designers. I think that's a really cool thing. Like this thing is now getting into the ether, right? Titles are invented. There wasn't a thing called a UX UI designer 10 plus years ago. Right. And so why not there be a climate designer? I think another success or just a very humbling realization that I've been having over the last few months is that we now have chapters all over the world popping up. And those chapter leaders that we're working with are bringing their design community together and having meetups and having conversations and sharing knowledge. The fact that I can think that I'm having some sort of involvement with putting together this thing so that designers and the Czech Republic and Slovakia are coming together like halfway around the world. That's freaking cool, right? Yeah. We just got our first chapter application in Africa, in Nairobi. The whole chapter initiative that we have is very humbling because people are waking up and realizing, hey, I want to lead my design community where I live and I want to provide opportunities and connection for my local design community. And this is a place that I can do that. And that is just so cool, man. It's amazing that there's people out there that are resonating with what me and my team have been doing over the last three plus years. And I have a feeling that this is not going to go away anytime soon. And so I think for us now going into 2023, how do we really show up to our members? How do we provide them with what they need? And so we're just about to launch a new resources page on the website that we have a small team working on. They've been working on this for quite a while now. We're doubling down on chapters. We want to have more events with them. We want to provide our chapter leaders and new chapter leaders with all the resources that they need in order for them to launch and sustain their chapters, doubling down on our podcast. I just feel like there's a 
desire for this and we need to figure out how to best meet our members so that they can then take what we put out there, turn around and provide within their local communities. Because the thing is, and this is one of the reasons why I love the chapters, is that if you zoom out, we know that climate change is going to affect every region differently. What I'm going to be experiencing in San Francisco is going to be very different than someone on the East Coast of the US or someone in Europe. Right. And so we need to help those design communities build that collective and provide them with resources. They provide resources to their community. They partner up with organizations on the ground. They learn more about how climate change is going to affect their environment. That is just so cool <laughs> that designers from all over the world are coming together and doing this. Yeah, it is cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's inspiring. It's exciting. It's such an amazing thing that you were part of the creation of that. And then another thing that I'm super impressed with you as well, Mark, is you're also an instructor, right? So not only are you building communities and connecting people globally, which that's a huge endeavor that you've accomplished that's really exciting, but you're also molding younger minds to think in these ways as well, which is super exciting. And education is a huge passion of mine as well. And I think that's one of the hugest challenges we have in the United States is proper education and also priming people to be prepared to be solid functioning creative designers in the future. And there's a lot of obstacles and challenges in their way. And so tell me, how did you become an instructor and walk us through what the courses are? Yeah, so I've been officially teaching at the college level since 2011. And currently I've been at CCA, California College of the Arts, since 2013. And the majority of that time, I taught a portfolio building class for seniors and uh, juniors in the graphic design department to get them ready for internships and also a career after they graduate. And so not only were we able to put together their portfolio and all the marketing collateral, as well as teaching them how to interview and job search and all that stuff, it was also an opportunity for me to show them different paths that they can take. And of course, my background in the social impact space and now in the climate space, I used it as an opportunity to show them that, you know, you don't have to only think about going to Google or Facebook. You don't have to only think about working for a more, I don't want to say generic in a bad way, but just more of a traditional design studio. There are other paths that you can take. And here you have this space called climate change, I guess. And there's a lot of organizations in that space that need designers help. So just showing them that this is a path. And so at the same time of me starting climatedesigners.org, I pitched one of my chairs to teach a climate designers class. And it was an opportunity for me to quite honestly wear less hats. I wanted to bridge my academic and professional world together. And so my chair agreed to do the class even before I wrote up a description. She loved the idea so much. And so I've been teaching that since basically the start of climate designers. And it's a class that has interaction design students and graphic design students, both at the grad and undergrad level. And it's really an opportunity for me to really prototype how to bring this content into the classroom. One of the things that we offer with climatedesigners.org is something that we call CDEDU, which is basically all geared around design educators. We believe that we should bring this content into the classroom so that we can graduate climate designers. We can't afford designers to go into the field to work at a Google or a Facebook or any other company and then have this midlife crisis years down the road. Let's focus on showing them that path. Let's focus on providing the content into the design classroom so that they can graduate and actually know that they want to do this right after they get out of school. And so with my class, it's been amazing. It's an opportunity for me to see what my students are interested in in the climate space. It's an opportunity for me to hear their concerns and fears as well as their hopes and desires, right? And so it's been a really fun class and all the things I'm learning, I bring back into the larger CDEDU initiative. I want to graduate climate designers. There are viable paths 
paths that anyone can take, especially going right from school to the profession that can set them on that climate journey. And so if we can provide the resources for educators, the projects that educators can bring into the classroom to make it super easy for them to bring this in their classroom, why not, right? And then also at the same time, when students graduate and they find that climate job, they also know that this larger climate designers community exists so that they can join there. And then they have that bigger community that they can reach out to if they need help. So cool. What sort of questions or challenges are you getting from the students? You're in such a unique position to poise them for a career trajectory that did not exist a few years ago. Mm -hmm. I love to hear that there was no pushback or any issues cropping up the courses and the curriculum. It's so exciting to hear that. Obviously, CCA is a great school. So what sort of challenges or questions or concerns are you hearing from the students? Well, this class is an elective, so there's a handful of other electives that they can take. So they chose to take this class. They signed up reading the description and learning more about climatedesigners.org. So they're already interested in the topic. The first few weeks of the class, we cover the hard stuff. We go over the climate science. We go over how we got here. We talk about capitalism. We talk about colonialism. We talk about the fossil fuel industry. It's some big, heady stuff. I always have to say this at the start of each semester, the first few weeks, probably already concerned going into class. I'm making them more concerned by providing them with all this new content. But I have to also keep reminding them we have to learn the problem first in order for us to address the problem. Yeah. And so this might be hard to watch these videos, read these articles or these research papers and understand the grasp of what it is that we're facing. But at the same time, we then switch over into solutions. And so they're bringing their fears and anxiety into the classroom. And we talk about that over the first few weeks and the content that I teach, that's probably fueling that even more. But then once we switch over and we talk about solutions, once we start to research what's out there and how their personal interests and things align with those solutions, I have a handful of exercises to get them off the ground to help them find the solutions that speak to them. Once they start to realize that there are so many amazing organizations out there that are doing the hard work, then those fears and anxiety turn into excitement and drive and they start to switch over into that more hopeful, optimistic viewpoint. I mean, we're still grounded in reality. And so with that, we play that line of being grounded in reality, but also thinking about what's possible and how they as designers, especially when they get out, how they can support those existing solutions. And we talk a lot about the future. We talk a lot about what it might look like and how it might look different than today and how it might look different than when their parents were their age or their grandparents were their age. There's an assignment and a prompt that I use often when we start to go from that research, climate science, one-on-one phase into the solution phase, we talk about the year 2040. Mm -hmm. And I got inspired by that based on the documentary called 2040, which was put out back in 2019. Damon Gamu, I believe, is the filmmaker. And I love the documentary. We watch it at the start of every semester. And the documentary is a great way for students to get a sense of what's currently out there and what the world would look like if these solutions were implemented and successful. And then the ripple effects of those solutions. And that is the switch from going from this anxiety to, oh, there are people doing the work. Let's support those people. So the year 2040 is is something I personally and professionally and academically, I just go back to because it's not too far into the future that we can't imagine ourselves in, especially if you're college age. Right. But it's far enough into the future that we can do a lot 
within those now 17 years. So yeah, I think 2040 is a great film. Project Drawdown is an amazing platform as well. There's all these platforms out there that are saying, look, we don't need to reinvent some new technology. The technology exists. We're just lacking the willpower or the fortitude to enact these things. As someone who has co-founded a community of creative people focused on kicking a dent in progress, right? And fixing, you know, some big, huge issues that we're facing globally, as well as being an instructor and developing a curriculum to really create thoughtful and creative designers. You're in that space creating amazing organizations. What keeps you hopeful for the future? Obviously, those two things that you've accomplished are huge accomplishments and that's exciting. But what keeps you going? What keeps you excited for what's next and working with all these people that are creating solutions for the future? I think that right there, I think it's the fact that I find myself in a position that I engage with so many people that are either in the trenches working on the front lines of taking climate action or that are on the sidelines wanting to take climate action. And so if I can be kind of that air traffic controller directing those on the sidelines to jump in as well as working with these organizations and helping them understand the importance and value of design and how they should invest in good design to support their work, then I think that is a win-win, right? And then as a professional working alongside them as their client of mine, really making sure that the work that they do gets the attention that they need, get the funding that they need, whatever it is that they're in need of. I'm a maker. I love taking ideas off of post-its and putting them out in the world. But at the same time, I can't do that alone. And so if I can rally around designers to say, hey, look, here's where we need your skills. You can do this. We can do this together. I just love collaborating. I love working with people. I think that's the thing that kind of keeps me going is just showing what's possible, not only to just designers, but also to clients, to people that are actually doing the work and then providing pathways for them to actually do it, whether it's through academia, whether it's through climatedesigners.org, whether it's through just my one-on-one coaching sessions I have with other designers. You know, another element of hope for me is learning the solutions that are out there and working with people in those solutions. And it's like, wow, if more people only knew that this one company existed or even this whole space existed, then we would get a lot more traction in amplifying those spaces or that particular company. You know, the EV and the solar and the wind stuff, that has the attention, but there's a lot of other spaces and a lot of other companies that are doing other things in this web of climate solutions and approaches that need attention to. So I think the other thing that keeps me going is that I want to support those that are on the fringe, those companies that are doing amazing things, but perhaps they haven't got the limelight yet or that they might need help from the design community because what they're doing is really important. But how can we speed up the impact that they have? How can we speed up the scale that we need them? There's so much excitement going on that, I don't know, I just get excited. I mean, at times, I'll be honest, you know, it's some heavy stuff too. You know, the fate of the world and humanity and the reports coming out and it grounds me and I'm sure it grounds a lot of people, but at the same time, can't just focus on that. You have to be grounded while also understanding what's on the horizon and keeping one foot in the groundness of it all. Groundness is a word. I don't know. Of course. (laughs) And another foot into what's actually needed to move the needle. And as designers with certain skill sets, you know, we're good at visualizing complex ideas. We're great at coming up with messaging. We're great at coming up with a thing from a post-it note, right? Taking a post-it note and making it into something like we have amazing set of skills. And it's just for me, a no brainer that we can't be a tremendous team player in this larger climate conversation. I mean, just our skills are just perfect for what 
we need. And I view climate change as a design problem anyway. Right. And so let's have other designers understand that so that they can understand where they can show up in the world. When you talk about wind and solar, like the awareness level is pretty high. What categories or organizations do you think need more amplification, need more narrative shifting that could use some support? I think CO2 gets a lot of the attention, but methane is a much more dangerous gas. And there's a handful of organizations that are doing methane work, but for whatever reason, it doesn't get the attention that I feel like it deserves. I have a selfish interest in kelp farming. (laughs) I think you and I've talked about this in the past. Kelp farming is pretty popular outside of the U.S. And finally, the U.S. is opening up its coastal waters to uh, certain states, I should say, are opening up their waters to allow kelp farming to be a thing. It can really unlock so many different things, not just sequester carbon out of the air, but also to provide jobs and new products food source. The list goes on and on. Yeah. I'm also a big proponent of hemp farming. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, the U.S. is loosening its grip on hemp. You know, I think another thing that we have to come to terms with is reconciling with the fact that our global economic system got us into this mess and we need to rethink our economic system, our global economic system. We need to rethink capitalism. And so I personally also have been looking at alternative economies as another solution in the growing list of solutions that we need to consider. So I think alternative economies would be something that we need to put more attention towards. And it doesn't have to reach the level of a global status, global economy, but why not local economies? Why not reimagining how we engage with one another and goods and services that are within our community? There's a handful out there. Even you mentioned Project Drawdown. If anyone goes to Project Drawdown, if you buy the book or if you go to the website, they have a whole solutions library. A lot of them are kind of well known and a lot of other ones are not. And so I think for people that are listening and watching, my advice would be to figure out your own personal interests and how those personal interests will be affected by climate change. And then with that, figure out who's doing the work in those spaces that you might have that interest in. So if you're interested in, you know, cooking or baking, then maybe find organizations that are addressing food security or local gardens or permaculture or regenerative agriculture, right? If you're interested in hiking or backpacking, then find organizations that are addressing things around nature preservation or wildlife restoration or wildfire prevention. Like there's all these entry points. And I tell my students this, I tell the designers that I work with as well in my coaching sessions, like find that personal interest and do the research on how that's going to be affected by climate change. And then based on that, figure out who's doing the work. Because if we don't have that personal interest in mind, then the odds of us burning out or the odds of us kind of getting, I don't know. Climate anxiety. Yeah, yeah. We just need that connection. And so I wanted to mention that too, because I think we have so many interested people now wanting to get into climate change. Perhaps they got laid off or that they have sort of personal realization, but even just switching to working in climate can be overwhelming. So my recommendation for those watching and listening would be, yeah, find that personal interest and see how it's going to be affected by climate change and then find the companies within that space that you can reach out to. Yeah, that's great. I think Project Drawdown is a great example of if climate anxiety is hitting hard, open that book, you're going to find something that you gravitate toward, identify with. I use that as a tool sometimes. You get those frustrating moments and you watch the news or scroll on TikTok or whatever. And it's like, oh man, like we're doing our best, but it's bad. And then there's like 20 other things that we can really focus my time on and add benefit to. So yeah, those are great resources. When we talk about climate anxiety, something I keep going back to is Plato's 
Allegory of the Cave. Mm-hmm. So basically, there's you know these people living in a cave. They've never been outside of the cave, and they see the flames flickering, and they see shapes of plants and animals reflecting from the surface. And then one day, someone comes to the surface, ascends to the surface, and they actually see the actual true forms of all of these objects. They see the sunlight, and they see you know a coyote and a tree or whatever. And then they go back and they tell everybody, no, like what you're looking at is just a reflection. The real stuff's up there. And then they start throwing rocks at him. They're like, you're crazy. I consider you one of the people that have escaped the cave, Mark. And you're out there telling everyone what's what. And it's super exciting. And I really appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Mark O'Brien. Yeah. Thanks for the chat. Thank you for listening to Darts in the Dark. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share our content. The goal of this podcast is to amplify the voices of businesses, organizations, and individuals enacting true change and impact. If you know someone you think would be a great guest on our show, please let us know. We're always looking for the next great conversation to share. Thank you. Thank you.